0: Last episode, we heard Asam al-Kindi's story about how he went from not wanting to adopt to being the one in the relationship who insisted on adopting another child. Today we got three stories for you, stories about the other side of the equation, about what it's like growing up in an adopted family. Stay tuned.
1: Um, so, um, no,
0: I don't know where to start. So,
2: Started, um, so we ended, and the worst and the dumbest thing I've ever decided to do. It. I don't know. I mean, and that
0: was kind of like the hammer on the nail. I feel
2: it.
1: I feel it.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: Welcome to True Story Tend. I'm your host Abdullah Al-Mawali. Our first story comes from Hibba Al-Falahi, the same Hiba we heard in the last episode who suggested we do a story night on adoption.
2: So, my name is Hiba Al-Falahi and I was adopted when I was almost two weeks old.
0: Hiba always knew she was adopted for as long as she could remember.
2: Growing up, I had the best childhood that any kid would ask for. I had the best father who loved me to death. I had the best mother, too, who loved me also. And I was the only child. I got everything I ever asked for. Anything. I would even be tutored at night, every day. Like, my dad and the multiplication, he had to like insert it in my brain. And uh, we used to travel a lot, we used to do a lot of things. And then I remember on the year of 2003, late 2003.
0: This is when her childhood took an unexpected turn. Her mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia and a month later, her father passed away.
2: And I was very close to him. I used to go everywhere with him. We used to be very close to the family. He was the person who would take the whole family out. So after that, my mom was going under medication. So she she was not able to comprehend the fact that her lifelong partner passed away. She could not swallow the idea that her husband is dead. Even when I asked her, she's like, go ask someone else. Like I just wanted her to say it. She couldn't even say it. And also because of the medications.
0: There were incidents in Hiba's life that kept reminding her of the fact that she was adopted. Incidents that she believed wouldn't have happened had she been biologically related to her adopted family. The first time she felt like an outsider was when her mother began to show severe symptoms and they both moved into her aunt's house for a month. When they went back home, Hiba was shocked to see that all of her toys were thrown away by one of her cousins. So she threw a tantrum.
2: I'm not blaming them, but they ended up shouting at me because of how my reaction was, which is not, not very disciplined. Like I disrespected them. And in return, they shouted at me. And that was the first time in my life where I felt like I was alone. After that, I could not tell anybody what's going on. I could not speak to anybody. I was always alone. Although I would have so many people that love me and would care for me, I have my cousins around me or anything, but I could never ever just be that connected to that person.
0: But then there were other incidents, like the time during Eid.
2: Imagine the person in front of me gets that idea and Eid, uh, you guys know how Eid works, like everybody gives money and everybody idea. And I would go next, but I wouldn't get it.
0: And there was the time after a sleepover when a family member was supposed to deliver Hiba to her aunt at a petrol station.
2: And when It was time for them to wait for my aunt to come and pick me up the lady goes like why does why don't she just go down I have my bags I'm wearing an Eid outfit and back then the fashion was colorful (laughs) you understand and my cousin is like why are you doing this why are you saying that no I will be late for what for my lunch family lunch her husband's family lunch and I'm just sitting there, I'm just, and you know, I'm just swallowing, it. I was like, there it goes again. And she was close to my father. She was very close to my father. My father loved her so much. And she actually did that. She would not, like, I I was the child that had no protection. And even when people tried to back me up, it wouldn't really last for long because people live their life, and, you know, they forget, they have things coming up in their own life. So nobody would know, would know how... That child actually feels nobody can get that close because that child's actually closed up already. I had to stand there and wait for almost 15 minutes with my bags and I'm just, what just happened? This person is supposed to be a close person in my family, but is this happening because of this reason? And obviously I would blame that, obviously. If it was their own child, they would never have done that. I'm not saying that I wasn't proud that I was adopted, but everything that ever happened to me growing up when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to feeling left out, when it comes to not feeling like you're a part of the family or not a part of a certain community, it all goes back to the fact, oh, I'm adopted, oh, I don't have the same blood, oh, I don't know my biological parents.
4: Um, so first of all, that's my mother over there.
0: This is Faris al Zakwani.
4: Um, so I'll start off first with the story of my mom.
0: Faris's mom is a white German lady. She married his father 30 years ago, who is Omani. Seven years into their marriage, they decided that they would adopt.
4: And so they adopted a child on the 25th of December on Christmas. My mom always says I'm her Christmas gift.
0: If you meet Faris in person and he told you that he's Omani, you would assume that he is a Zanzi Omani, just based on the way he looks. His mother, on the other hand, is European. She's white.
4: You can just look at my mom for a second, and now look at me, okay? So you know where this is going. So, um...
0: In seventh grade, Faris moved to a government school, where he was confronted with questions of his identity that he has never quite faced before.
4: What can I say? Like, You know how kids are, basically you know you're black your mom's white why and stuff like that and i never grew up you know with colors basically so if someone would tell me your mom's white you're black my reaction would be okay <laughs> and now so um that was something growing up as a child yani yeah, kids i was around were very rough yani yeah, my, you know, in Arabic, like saying it in Arabic and this with Macbela, and you know, basically that it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. No, I'm straight up about that. It's pretty hard. You know, like, you know, it hit me also as a child. Um, my dad is, Armani is not Swahili. he's not Lushi, he's Amani Amani. So look wise, everybody would think, yeah, you know, like today I was at the gym, someone walks up to me, he's like, yeah, Mambo, uh, you know, and I'm like. Okay. <laughs> I right, like no. So you know you're <laughs> you're you're always being categorized, and You're either, you know, Swahili blue shirt, I'm And I'm Swahili, but German somehow. <laughs> Which is weird for a lot of people, Yani. Like,
0: Growing up, Faris lived a sheltered life with his mom, or as he describes it,
4: a European boy somehow, okay, that white boy basically. You know, I you know I follow rules. My mom, if she wants something, I'm there on time, nine o'clock, okay.
0: So when he started hanging out with the boys in the neighborhood, it took a little bit of getting used to.
4: You know how boys are basically, and you know, harder boys. Yeah, what's up? Come here, you know. And I'm used to the, yeah, for my child, you know. I was used to that. So it was, it was, it was difficult, you yani, communicating with the guys. And you know how kids are basically. Let's go smoke, let's go uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was, you know, no, I can't. My mom at home, you know, <laughs> I can't, you know.
0: And eventually, as a teenager, Faris began to take his frustrations out on his mom.
4: I do remember this, I used to tell my mom, you're not even my mom. Uh, You know, what do you want from me and stuff like that. And um, I mean, I regret it al I'm also sorry for that mom that I said that as a kid. But you know, al growing up, <laughs> but my mom was always there for me. My mom gave me everything. My mom loved me. I love my mom over everything. Well, you know, also growing up, the man I am today, I am because of my mom. She was a father and mother figure for me. And he, <laughs> she basically took care of me and um, my, yeah, I'm a mama boy exactly. <laughs> So um, look at us, we're the perfect couple. Like me and my mom, I'm at Lulu. She's somewhere, I'm somewhere. I scream out loud, mama. Everybody flips, looks at me, (laughs) looks at my mom. And I'm like, yeah, mama. it's, it's it's really funny, it's really funny, but you know, I'm you know I'm a grown-up, it's over, I don't have that, I want to fit in, I want to be, you know, you know, for me it's now, yo, I'm Faris, you know, and I'm the way I am, you want to be my friend, okay, you don't want to be my friend, you have a problem with who I am, and you know, I'm not about that, I want to fit in, I want to fit in, I want to go, I want to do, so, yeah.
0: This next story comes from Buthayna Zijjali, who is a biological daughter of a family that has adopted a child.
1: I think this is my first time talking about my sister, who's in the audience tonight. (laughs) 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 Fatin, (speaking) Al (speaking) Zijjali. And I'm also proud to say that my first cousin who's also adopted, Miss Al Anwood, right there. Um, I'll take you back twenty-five years ago. You're twenty-five now, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old.
0: <laughs> Butena grew up with two brothers and always wanted to have a little sister to play with. So she would constantly ask her mother to get her a little sister.
1: My mom would go, "Oh my sister man give him in supermarket, Yani. It doesn't happen that way. And mom always wanted to adopt a child. She always wanted a baby girl. But it was never the right time because we were quite young and, you know, she was saying, I'm busy raising you guys, bringing a baby in, it's going to be kind of difficult. And she always had her name registered. I remember at Khaula Hospital. And she said, whenever there's a baby girl in, please let me know. Every time they called, it just didn't feel like the right time for her.
0: And one day, when Bethena was 13 years old, her mom received a phone call from the hospital telling her that there is this little girl that she might want to come and see.
1: And she said, okay, let's go to the hospital. Subhanallah, that day she decided to take me. And Ooh. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get a sister. This is so exciting. You know, طبعاً you know, you're at that age, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, went to the hospital and I remember um, my mother was already in tears, and she knew that this was going to be her daughter, Faten, <laughs> Faten, our shining light. <laughs> and I remember looking into the crib, and I'm thinking, "Skina, she's like this little lizard. She's like, what is this? What are we taking home? Of course, we went home without the baby, and I'm thinking, Mama. Yalla, metaqay al bint, I want to my sister, and she said, you know, it takes time and everything. Mama, yalla, come on. I've had enough. And she said, paperwork. She started explaining to me.
0: Then one day, finally, Buthaina comes back from school.
1: I got into my room, and it was so dim and I see a baby crib in my bedroom. And my baby sister was laying in there. I was like, oh my God, the little lizard is here. <laughs> and it was just the most incredible experience and feeling. You know, at that age, that preteen age where, you know, you wouldn't expect to have all of these, the surge of emotions, you know, of, love of affection and everyone just wanting to be around her. She was just this ray of light.
0: A few years later, when Fatin was about eight or nine years old, she woke up crying.
1: And she said, I hate my real mother. And we thought, dear God, why? What's the matter? So we asked her, like, why are you saying that? She said, at that age, at that tender age, she said, What kind of a mother abandons her child? And uh, prior to that, we had already taken her to a psychiatrist in London because we wanted to know how do we kind of break the news to a child and and make them aware that they are adopted um, so that you know in a society like ours in a community like ours people mashallah <laughs> they love to and so they to so we were worried about that obviously and we thought you know we want her to have the courage and the confidence to say i'm adopted i'm happy i'm in a loving family i'm in a loving home i hope you are <laughs> okay as she was growing up Since she was a toddler, she always referred, according to the psychiatrist's instruction, you know, my tummy mummy was too young to take care of me. So she gave me away to my loving mummy, which is my mother. And that kind of stuck on.
0: Eventually, when Fatin turned 12, they asked her this question.
1: What if your biological mother ever approached us and said that she would like to meet you, or your father as well? And she said, never. And we respected that decision. But if she ever did change her mind, we have no objection to that. And this is where awareness and education is so important, is making them realize there is no hate. You don't know what the circumstances are of the biological parents. We don't know why she was abandoned, but we know that Allah sent her to us and she became this amazing, young, hardworking, workaholic, like her sister. (laughs) So, you know, and I'm just so proud of how much, mashallah, she's achieved and being part of this incredible group of youths who are raising awareness, educating people on the importance of adoption and loving each other as human beings. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your race, your gender is, what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter to us. And I think it's also important that if they want to explore it further, to understand it further, to educate themselves further, if they want to go find their biological parents, it's fine, but I think it's important that we do it as a team and not to leave them feeling left out in any way or form. So I'm here to say that I'm incredibly proud to be your sister. <laughs> and very proud of your achievements so far, and I'm sure you're going to do some incredible things in the future, whether it's for adopted children or for humanity. And you're the reason why I got into the UN and why I worked with UNICEF for several years alhamdulillah thank you. <laughs> so yes i am an advocate for children's rights and women's rights and uh, and we hope that we all continue to do so and men's rights matraf <laughs> and so i really hope that our stories can inspire you to help to educate and to love each other more, because we live in such a dire world right now. I think it's important that we do come together, not only as a community, but as a whole, as humanity. Thank you so much. I love you, Lulu, and I love you, Anu Hello.
0: Hello. Hi. Hello, hello. How are you?
3: One second, let me grab my phone. I'm
0: this is Fatana Zajali, okay. Bethana's adopted sister. Uh, how did you feel sitting in the audience listening to your sister share that story?
3: Um, I think usually we don't really express it to each other all the time. It's normally like she comes up to me and my sister is very affectionate. She goes, You know how much I love you. And then I'm just like, Yeah, whatever. But then I think during the event, it was the first time. I truly heard her side, you know? And it just opened other topics that I never questioned after. You know, when I asked her, like, how was I found or how was this? And then, you know, it really opened a lot of boundaries, you know, it opened more trust between us.
0: So you furthered the conversation with your sister after that event? It did,
3: it truly did, I swear. Like, you know, it just made it more meaningful. It's like she knew so much more than I did, obviously. But it just made, like, she understood how I felt more. Right. And she kept on saying that, you know, this is how it should be. This is how you should be comfortable. Uh, it was really nice.
0: That's amazing.
3: Yeah, it was really nice.
0: How old are you now?
3: 25.
0: 25. Yeah. Bethana said in her story that when you were 12, they asked you, um, what if your biological mother or father approached you and said that they would mm-hmm. like to meet with you? And you said never. Um, has any of them tried to approach you since no okay what if they what if they tried to approach you now would you be be open to meet with them with any of them
3: um like at this age now if they wanted to meet me i would and i wouldn't have any problems with it you know i would be like okay but at the same time i don't think it will affect me like Whenever somebody asked me that do you want to meet your biological parents? I never said yes to the question. I was just like, it doesn't really like I don't really need to, you know? Mm. I already have my family, I already have my mom, I already have my siblings, I already have you know, I already have what I need. Everything is complete.
0: But if they wanted to approach you, you would be you'd be like, Okay. You would do yeah, it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I would be like, okay, it's fine, Yani. Which is a very you different know?
0: stance from where you were when you were yeah, twelve. Yeah,
3: it's it's very. I think because now I understand more, and so many black. Like, I still ask questions to myself, like, what are my genes? What do I look like? How am I this? Like, I think the only thing I would ever be curious to know is that are my dad or my mom actually Omani? You know, that's the only thing <laughs> that would cross my mind. But other than that, I really have nothing to say to them. I'll just be like. You did this because you needed to, and you know God put you on that life choice to happen, and that's how my life changed. Then I became blessed.
0: So you're actually yeah. curious about whether you're Omani or not?
3: Yeah, all the you think <laughs> all the time. Do you see how white my sister is?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are dark Amanis, you know.
3: <laughs> you know, like no, I'm like. I look at everybody tells me you're from this, you're from America, you're from the Caribbean, oh you're from uh, what's it called, Tanzania. and I'm just looking at them, I'm like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) You're Indian, no, but maybe.
0: Is is there any like a secret uh, wish that you have that a country that you'll be from?
3: I have no idea, honestly. But like, I hope it's somewhere in Africa because music is banging, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I want to have that. (laughs) Guess what? I I played your episode to my mom, mm. and then she was just like, like she went through a wavelength of emotions. You know, she was just like, what, really? You know, and I just showed her like pictures of the kids and of the adoptees and whatever, and she was just sitting there. She was like, you know, I just like I think for her, it was just like, wow, you know, this topic is out in the open. Like, it's a huge like not taboo but like a shock in her system like they're actually discussing this out loud you know
0: interesting. but that
3: was amazing because we were having lunch and i just put the phone on the table and i was like mom i hear this and i played the podcast during lunch
0: that's so interesting
3: yeah i know right
0: yeah then there is a change that there is a change happening.
3: there is, there yeah. is. and i truly believe it
0: yeah Both Fatin and Hiba, who we heard earlier in the episode, started a group called Adopting Love to connect with other adoptees. They're still in their early stages, but if you'd like to connect with them, you can find them on Instagram at Adopting Love If you know someone who has adopted a child, been adopted themselves, or is considering to adopt, pass this two-part series along to them. You never know, they might find it immensely helpful. Also, by rating us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review, you will be helping this podcast reach a wider audience. So if you've got a minute, please consider doing that. To stay up to date with all things True Story Tent, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at True Story Tent. This episode was produced by me, Abdullah Al-Ma'wali. You may find me on Instagram at Wandering Guy. Thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.